But I'm going to be bold today and say that the trap that we are going to discuss is at least one of the devil's top three things that he uses to trap and troll us away from God's best. Now, just to, again, to bring it into a more visual, my dad uh, used to use uh, a hunting analogy to help me see the supernatural, to see spiritual warfare, which is very real. You can read about that in Ephesians 6, but he would use a hunting analogy. See, my dad was a deer hunter. I never got into deer hunting, really, but boy, did I love to eat it. So I, you know, I went a couple times, you know, just to show my support uh, for the hunter, right? Um, but the few times I did go, my dad would show me what to look for. You would look for tracks. Really, deer, specifically like us, are creatures of habit, and they'll do the same thing consistently. They'll walk the same way, and if you walk the same path every day through the woods, like deer often do, it's going to wear a path. I believe I have a picture of it. It's going to wear a path in the woods, and I tell you this because I want us to really think about this. I want us to get our mind into a place that the enemy is hunting us, trying to trap and troll us away from God's best. Now, again, to see this, this path, the reason I want us to see it, the devil is not omniscient, omniscient, all-knowing. God is omniscient. The devil is not, but he has been hunting God's kids for a long, long time. All the way back since the Garden of Eden, the enemy has been hunting God's kids, trying to trap them away from God's best. And I'm telling you, a lot of us, we go a, a similar way often. We have a lot of the same conversations, have a lot of the same thoughts, and we have tracks that we walk. If you want to talk about it from a, a, a brain perspective, neuropathways, our minds going a similar direction. And listen, so you have paths like this in your relationships, in your conversations, and most importantly, in your thought life. And if today we can disarm the trap that we will uncover, we will walk in so much more freedom. Now, I want to take a moment and pray even before I talk about the trap, because can we just be honest? This is church. We can be honest. A lot of us like the trap. When I reference it, when we talk about it, a lot of us enjoy it and will not want to let it go. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit today. We need humility today for God to transform how we think, how we walk, how we experience the world. Because listen, let us be reminded, the enemy and Jesus both have plans for our life. You may have heard this passage, John 10, 10, the thief or the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But this is Jesus talking. I have come so that they, that's us, can have life and life to the full. You see in that passage, they both have plans. One is to destroy and one is to give you life. And we have the privilege and the opportunity and the grace of the Lord to choose. So today, let's choose to walk in God's plan, in his purpose, and in his power. Come on, let's pray together. God, we're so grateful we're so grateful that we get to come into your presence. I'm just excited to be at church. I'm excited to be around believers, and I'm excited to step into the hard things today. 
I'm excited to look at the trap that the devil has set for millennia for men and women of God. Look at it and say, get that out of here. God, I want to take a moment and repent of any sin in my life, of any pride or any fear or any frustration. God, we want to come before you and hear your voice, Holy Spirit. Let us be transformed today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I hope you are thrilled, excited, have high anticipation for being here. If you're at one of our churches and campuses, if you're live, online, or watching later, God Behind Bars, this weekend is going to be a game changer for our life. So what is the trap? What trap has the enemy used to steal, kill, and destroy marriages, friendships, Kingdom impacts of so many millions, literally millions of Christians throughout history. And listen, this trap was going to be perfect to show you, but I am not manly enough to use it, okay? I cut my little tender hand just trying to set it backstage, and I didn't even get it set so much. I'm not, I love you. I'm not going to lose a finger for an analogy. I'll tell you that right now, okay? This is manly than I thought it was, and I just want to be humble about it, okay? But uh, the trap, the trap that is so much more damaging than this trap right here is none other than the trap of offense. The trap of offense is one of the greatest offenders of God's best in our lives, I bet we can all agree that offense is a real problem in our world today. But unfortunately, most of us think it is a problem for everyone else, right? Not you. It's the old people. It's the young people. Well, hey, prepare to be offended, okay? Listen, according to a recent survey, nearly two-thirds of U.S. adults, 65%, say that people being too easily offended is a major problem, right? Okay, so that's a pretty big percentage. But half, a little more than half, 53% say that people saying offensive things to others is a major problem. You know what the devil's got? Let's just imagine this trap was bigger and I was manly enough to set it. He, you know, it's amazing. He's got, he's got one generation's foot in there. He's got the other generation's foot in there. You know what we're doing? We're fighting each other. Neither of us set this trap. The devil set this trap. But we're both in here together saying, you did this to me. You did this to me. No. Let's stop for a moment and look and see why are we here? What's happened? Because, listen, the enemy is so crafty. People are all over this issue, right? Every, every generation, we have, he has us pointing fingers at everyone else but him. Maybe you think, oh, those, those snowflakes are too soft and they're too easily offended. And, hey, you know what? Sometimes you're right. Maybe we can be. Or maybe you think, gosh, those people are so mean, They don't care how they make people feel. They don't care what they do to people's hearts whenever they say whatever they want. And you know what? You're probably right sometimes as well. You feel it? You feel some people, not obviously not you, but the person beside you in in their mind, argue with me about being right, right? Just waiting on me to tell you that, that you're right or that you win or they'll be hell to pay for it. What if being right was not what was most important? 
What if we were more worried about hell being real than there being real hell to pay for us not getting our way? I think we would look more like the church that way. Do I have your attention? Listen, no matter what today, here's what matters most, is that God gets the last word in our lives, even in what offends us most. But can I ask us, are we willing to give God, we call him God, Yahweh, all-powerful, are we willing to give him the last word? Are we willing to lay down whatever offense that we tend to pick up and allow God to write the narrative for how we view others, how we view ourselves, how we view policies, how we view the world? Let's do a little exercise, right? We didn't come here to check off a box. We came here to do some spiritual work, get a little spiritual sweat in. And so can I ask you, what offends you most? You probably don't have to think very hard. I try to get you going before we even got here. What, is it politics? Is it gay rights? Is it the transgender stuff? Is it what's going on in our school systems? Is it you being told that you can't do something? Is it a little more personal? Is it that person that hurts you so bad that you can't even think about their name without it ruining your day. What offends you most? Would you be willing to put that in God's hands? Can we take it a step further? Would you be willing to love someone with the opposing view on that specific subject? Because what you're most offended by is the thought that someone might miss heaven. Let's pray. God, we come before you right now and you're working. And sometimes when you work, it, it doesn't feel like a thunderous applause in worship. Sometimes you take the scalpel of the word and, and the, the sword of the spirit isn't a big broad sword like for war, but it's a small surgeon scalpel where you cut out the things that are making us sick. When you cut out the cancerous trap that the enemy has placed in our life. I pray that we would leave today more focused on your kingdom coming. I pray today we'd leave more focused on you. Holy Spirit, would you give us the boldness and the faith and the humility to let you write the narrative. You are God and we are not. Let our obedience reflect that, even in the hard places. Let us lead the way. The world is so offended and divided. Shouldn't your church lead the way? In your name we pray, amen. We need freedom. We need a reset. We need God to rewire our minds, to transform us. Amen, church? Are y'all okay? Can I, get, can I get amen? Okay, okay. So, hey, we will we'll keep on going. But hey, we, we do need a move of God, and we don't just need a one-time move of God, but we need a continual move of God 
in this area. This is the place where we will need God to continue to transform us and we will need to see ourselves be obedient. We will need to see ourselves be humble towards what God has called us to do. And so, hey, what we want to do today is let's take some time, obviously, to go to God's Word, uh, right, and learn about what God has to say in this because, listen, the... The enemy so desperately wants us to miss what God has. I think a a great place to go uh, would be to the book of James. But just before we get there, um, I I think that there's so many passages in the Bible. There's so many things going on there, right, uh, around offense. And we can't cover them all today. So we're going to look in the book of James. But just to build your faith a little bit, right, uh, if you need some more proof that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died and rose from the grave for your sins, his brother believed it, okay? That's, that's some pretty good proof for me. <clears throat> I don't know that I would believe that my brother, right, did anything good, much less that he was the son of God, okay? And so Jesus' brother, James, his half-brother, believed that Jesus was the Christ, right? And so he would have had a front-row seat to how Jesus handled offense, he would have had a front row seat to all that, right? And so as James was reflecting on Jesus, but also leading the church, much like faith promised, he had this to say in James 1, 19 through 21. James write this, my brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become. Let me say it a little slower. Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now, the more I read this passage this week in preparation and prayed, God would just reveal more and more to me. And we won't be able to cover it all today. So can I encourage you to read that passage this week, James 1, 19 through 21, and to ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what is next out of this passage for me in my walk with God? What is next for me in this passage? But specifically in verse 20, it says that human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Now, I know it's going to take a strong why for us to live an unoffended life when it's so counterculture, it's so opposite of the culture, but I pray that the power of what I'm about to say really strikes you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that you were made, in his, uh, made on purpose with a purpose. Uh, Psalms 139 says that he laid out your days, he anointed them, he knows exactly what you are going to do. Jesus himself taught us when he taught us how to pray, to pray and to live that his kingdom would come and his will would be done no matter where we were, no matter what was happening to us. God has desires and plans and purposes for our lives, but so many of us are stuck in the trap of, the, the, of offense that the devil has laid for us that we're missing it. Now listen, it, it, it's, it says that, there that human anger does not produce the, the, uh, the righteousness that God desires. So it sounds like there is another kind of frustration, right, that God would call us to, but we're going to talk about that at the end when we get to it. So let's start first with asking the question, how can I live 
with freedom from offense. How can I live with freedom from offense? Well, James gives us the answers in that passage in verse 19, and he says everyone should walk right with quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I'm so sorry, this may be bad news for you, but sadly in the Greek, everyone does include you, right? It does, you are a part of everyone, right? And so, and hey, the, uh, uh, we're going to walk through these three statements that he makes. And these are great what is next steps in your walk with God. So I want to encourage you, uh, pick one or two that the Holy Spirit really highlights. And I want you to apply it this week. So let's walk through those things. Are you, let's just ask some questions. Are you quick to listen? Are you quick to listen? So many of us, if we're honest, are just waiting on our turn to talk, right? We're, we're listening to respond, we're not listening to hear. Especially when it comes to something that stirs up offense in us, something that gets us fired up. And listen, this brings out the main reason, in my opinion, for the trap of offense. This is where I was gonna stick the stick right here and it was gonna snap, but again, not manly enough, so just use your imagination, Watch out, right? And I believe that is pride. Pride trips the trap of offense every time. Oh, but pastor, I'm right. I'm right about politics and I'm right about marriage and I'm right that they should mow their yard more often and I'm right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, maybe so. But Jesus was right when they beat him and Jesus was right when they spit in his face. And Jesus was right when they pulled his beard out. And Jesus was right when they crucified him. But can we just elevate for a moment, man of God or woman of God, there is a greater right. The right that one day everyone will go to either heaven or hell. And are we loving and listening, peop listening to people in that direction? When you listen to people, are you listening to love them? Or are we listening to be right? Or could we start to listen for the greater right of somebody's eternity? Are we listening and listening and looking for signs of heaven or hell in these people's lives? So what about that? I think the listening can be challenging. And I'll be honest it just gets harder from there, okay? James, James was not pulling any punches, right? The next one, he asked about how we speak. Are we slow to speak? This is so hard. You ever been talking to somebody and you're not done talking? They go, oh, and you know, you know they're just waiting to talk. I know that because I'm the one, oh, oh, right? They think I have asthma over there. I just have something to say. This is so hard, but how many relationships would be so much better if you would zip it? Zip it. Ma'am, stop elbowing him. We can all see it, right? It'd be so much better for a lot of us if we would just, just think for a moment before we, you know, you can never take a word back. Never. Rachel, and I, I'm, not, I'm not an external processor. Rachel's an external processor. So we got married. She'd just be going, right? And she'd just be going, 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 And she's like, do you have anything to say? And I was like, well, you haven't stopped to breathe for a while, number one. Uh, and, but I knew 
that if I said something that I didn't mean, I can say, hey, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. But does that go inside of her mind and erase the memory that I thought it and said it? No, no. You've heard the old adage, you have two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. Well, hey, there's biblical precedent that we should be slow to speak. Why is this so hard? And we actually have a whole message here in a little bit on, on the words that we speak because the devil knows this verse. Let me tell you, the devil knows the scripture. And he knows this verse better than us. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it eat its fruit. The power of life and death. And can we be honest, which one comes to our mind more naturally, life or death? Death. Just because of the flesh inside of us, death, that's why we have to be in the Word. We have to be in prayer to crucify that flesh. Like it talks about in Galatians 2.20, I died of myself in Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But death comes to mind so quickly, that's why he's saying be slow to speak, slow down, and choose life. And listen, the people in your life, your wife, your spouse, your kids, your friends, they are eating the fruits of your words. So slow down and choose life. Choose to feed them life. Choose to speak life over them, right? Hey, listen, if, if you have kids or whatever and you made them eat their vegetables, right? River, my son has fallen asleep at the table with us waiting on him to eat broccoli, right? It was a Mexican standoff between him and Rachel, and I don't think there was any winners. Rachel feels like she won, right? Because he had broccoli for breakfast, so I guess she did win, right? But if we're going to force feed our kids broccoli, are we not going to force feed them words of life? I know you don't want to hear it, but I'm going to sit by your bed. I'm going to tell you I love you. I'm going to sit by your bed. I'm going to read the scripture over you. We, we were, uh, we, we were uh, Saturday morning prayer this week, and I did communion with JL, and I was probably in my third or fourth scripture. She said, Daddy, how do you know so much Bible? Which was one of the best compliments my nine-year-old's ever given me. And I said, baby, I love God's word, but I want to I speak it over you. What are, we, what are we feeding them? Slow to speak and speak in life. Can we handle one more? One more. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Are we slow to become angry? Remember back when I asked you to think about the thing that brings up the most offense in your life? Some of you guys remember it well because you're still mad that we brought it up, right? Right, that you remember it. It can be a little embarrassing sometimes, can it? How quickly we get angry. I pray from this day forward that you will know when you're angry that you have stepped in the trap of offense. And the trap of offense has you. Listen, your thoughts and your words are great signs of whether you're stuck in the trap of offense. If all you have to say over yourself and others is negativity, he's got you. Our world has so normalized anger and frustration. But listen, you don't live by the world's culture. You live by the kingdom of heaven's culture. And what a light in the darkness we will be. We learn from Jesus' brother James in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 21. Let's take a minute and learn from Jesus himself. If there was anybody who had room to be offended, it would have been Jesus, right? 
but yet he operated in so much grace and so much humility. We see Jesus get frustrated a few times, but not step in the trap of offense, right? Because we can take it from James and Jesus' life that there is a frustration that leads to God's desires. That kind of frustration does exist, but is that how we live? In Matthew 21, we see Jesus flip the temple tables. In John 8, we see Jesus stand up for the woman caught red-handed in the act of adultery. In Luke chapter 6, we see Jesus get so frustrated over religious leaders putting rules over people, putting their politics over people. However, in Matthew 16, we see Jesus verbalize his frustration in such a clear way that it really is, it is a It is a frustration that leads to godly desires. In Matthew 16, Jesus is telling his followers that he must go and die on the cross for our sins so we can have a relationship with God. And Peter, who was quick to speak and slow to listen, and it seemed like always angry. I can really identify with Peter. Whenever Jesus said he's gotta be crucified, Peter says, no, no, there's no way. I wonder if we ever say no and we get in God's way because we think that we're right. I wonder if we ever get in his way. But let's look at what, what Jesus says to Peter in Matthew, in Matthew 16, 23. Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance for me. Here's, here's where he spells it out. You are a hindrance for me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. If you want to spell out, when we get offended, that leads to the world being built up and not the kingdom. It's when our mind is focused on things of man and not of things of God. Our offense should be things in us and in our world, right, that are not bringing people to the kingdom of God. That's why we have to be quick to listen. And first, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. But hey, can I just, can I give you some hope today? And then we're going to respond. Can I give you some hope today? Listen, there was a guy we just talked about named Peter. And and whenever Jesus was on trial, uh, he was going to be crucified for our sins. He's on trial at Caiaphas' house. Caiaphas is the high priest, and they would do the proceedings at his house. And this is the place where actually Jesus was the most offended, in my opinion. This is the place where where Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. At Caiaphas' house in the courtyard, I don't know him, I don't know him, I never met him. And then the rooster crowed. He denied he even knew Jesus. Can you imagine the shame? I know you can because some of you have felt the shame just in this discussion. But can I, let, let's, just, let's just feed off this hope. Can you imagine Peter's devastation looking in Jesus' eyes knowing that he has just denied him, that he has offended him at the highest level? Is there a way to come back from that? Is there a way to be used after that? Well, if you fast forward to Acts chapter 4, after Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know where we find Peter? Back at Caiaphas' house. This is after Jesus has been crucified and risen and filled them with the Holy Spirit. We find Peter back at Caiaphas' house and they tell Peter, stop talking about Jesus. And this is what Peter said. 
But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes for us to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. But we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. I pray that this week, whenever offense tries to creep back in your life, you'll say, whoa, 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 whoa. I know that makes me mad. I know that bothers me. But listen, I will not listen to that offense, but I will listen to Jesus. And we have to stop and say, I have seen too much grace. I have heard too much of God's love for me to respond in the trap of offense, but I will respond in the gift of grace that I was given. Listen, offense chains us to pain, but the gift of salvation and grace, eternal life, the abundant life, not only does it free us from this pain, but it gives us the opportunity and the privilege to share the abundant life with others. The difference in Peter's life when he denied Jesus and when he stood up for Jesus was being filled with the Holy Spirit. If we wanna live a life that's unoffended, we wanna live a life that honors God, we have to be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. I wanna pray for us and we're gonna worship But hey, if you would say, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I don't want to live a life of offense. I'd love to pray for you. If you say, that's me, I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to bring the kingdom of heaven where I go. We just stand. Farragut, Pelsey, will you stand? Let me pray for us. God, we come before you right now. We stand. I'm, I'm standing asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm standing, Holy Spirit, saying, I want all you have for me. I want to be led by you. God, I I, want to live a life that's not offended. I want to live a life that brings you glory and honor and praise. I want to live a life not where I deny the things of heaven, but where I stand in boldness and say, you be the judge. I can't listen to offense when I've received the grace and the gift of Jesus and the love and the acceptance. Whenever I so offended him, he loved me. Jesus, help us to remember that you never were offended by lost people. You were only offended by the religious. Break the scales off our eyes. Let us walk in freedom. Let us walk in victory. In this time of worship, fill us, Holy Spirit, and send us in your name. Amen.